Hi readers, and welcome to Beth's Bookcast, a podcast for book lovers and a place to share new books, enjoy old favorites, and think about the reading life. I'm Beth Jordahl, your host, a lifelong reader and believer in the power of story. Thank you for joining me today. Now pour yourself a cup of something delicious, settle down in your favorite comfy seat, and let's talk about books. so excited today to share with you my interview with Cindy Yorks. She's a journalist and an author and a fellow podcaster. Her book, The Vault Door, is a devotional about trusting God wherever you find yourself. I think it's great and I loved our conversation together and I'm so excited to share it with you. Here we go. Well, I'm so glad to have you here and I'm so excited to talk about your book. Um, so, or books, actually, your whole yes. series. So, uh, could you tell us a bit about yourself? So, I uh, grew up in Texas, born in Fort Worth, and kind of knew I wanted to be a writer, really, since I was about 13 years old. I used to go over to the woods behind my house and write little poems and keep a diary. And yeah, Aww, it was pretty early on, I decided I wanted to be a journalist. So, that's what I started out doing. And I worked for mm-hmm. um, a lot of newspapers in Texas at the big cities. And then Moved out to Los Angeles and worked at both of the major newspapers here, the Daily News and the um, Los Angeles Times. And I, wow. had, I had a little gig at People Magazine for a while and did some celebrity journalism there. And well, I always fun. say I traded in my stilettos for sandals. And when I became a mom, <laughs> and I ended up adopting two kids. One of them had special needs. So I didn't work for a couple of decades. And then when it finally mm-hmm. all um, settled in and my son ended up, it's kind of a long story. So I'll just give you the short version. He lives in a home now where caregivers take care of him because he was violent and we really Mm -hmm. couldn't keep him in here anymore. So then that Mm -hmm. made my nest empty and I was able to kind of refocus my energies in writing to help other people Mm -hmm. like me that had undergone, you know, big time struggles and could, I wanted Mm -hmm. to really sort of come alongside and say, I just find, and, and, and actually it all kind of came about when I went to find a book, a devotion book, really, to kind of comfort me in, because I was having such a hard time and all the devotion books mm-hmm. I found were just like, everything's okay and hearts and flowers or else it was lofty platitudes. And that's not really true in the Christian literature realm today, but, you know, 20 years ago mm-hmm. when I needed it, there were fewer resources available to me. And that's when the Lord... Yeah, kind of lit a fire in my heart and said, I want you to write books like that. And so I kind yeah. of changed my trajectory and, and decided I would, you know, write these devotion books. So that's how the trilogy came about. That's great. That's great. What a beautiful dream to have started so long ago and finally see it in fruition. It's true. And it, and it evolved, which I think is so interesting too. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your series? It's a trilogy, Correct. right? So the first, all the books kind of mirror stages in my life. So the first book is okay. called The Side Door. Um, and it is more about you're walking along <laughs> and, you know, you have your goals and your destination in mind. And the Lord's like, yeah, I'm taking you over here to this detour now. So, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you kind of enter a different sort of wilderness that you weren't expecting. And that looks different in everyone's life, of course, but. 
for me, it was, you know, definitely being a special needs parent and, uh, mm-hmm. but the book also talks about all kinds of different struggles like loneliness and isolation and, you know, despair and, and helps mm-hmm. everybody to kind of discover the hope that we can have when we look mm-hmm. to the Lord to come alongside us in our problems and know that he is our divine navigator and he will take us places where we can mm-hmm. grow and evolve. Yeah. And then the second door is this trap door <laughs> and okay <laughs> trap doors as you can probably remember from cartoons perhaps <laughs> you know you're walking uh-huh. along and, and you know you think that you know exactly what's up next and then all of a sudden you fall through the floor and you don't really know what hit you yeah and the trap doors that I refer to in that book can be anything from you know things that we bring upon ourselves like addictions or other kinds of um, obsessions that you know, take the place of the Lord, or it can even be, you know, a sudden death or a divorce or some kind of an unforeseen tragedy that just you never saw coming. Yeah. And then my final book, which just came out in December, The Vault Door, Securing God's Truths mm-hmm. and Promises, it is more of a book about the truths and promises themselves and how, you know, we yeah. need to make sure our, you know, our buried treasure is secure and we want to make sure that we can share you know, what that treasure means to us with others. Mm-hmm. And that requires mm-hmm. some excavation sometimes because we either get busy in life or complacent, or perhaps we become overly focused on our problems and forget to focus on God instead. Yeah. So your three, your door trilogy, if you will, they really kind of cover like the walk, mm-hmm. right? As you're going through your Christian walk. Um, could you tell us kind of, why there are three like was it originally <laughs> going to be a trilogy or did you just kind of feel the continuous call no that? i'm just so glad you asked me that because it's really an amazing tale <laughs> what the lord did okay was he gave me the idea for this side door book right so i started to write the book uh-huh. and i took a year off of my leadership at community bible study which is a, you know kind of a non-denational non-denominational bible study that is international okay and it's it's a big time commitment so i i knew i would have to un- you know, kind of worm out of that for a year. So I took 10 months to write the book. And when I finished it and I turned it into my editor, you know, I'm a, I'm a journalist. So I'm really spoiled with, you know, every, lots of (laughs) handholding by the part of editors. So, you know, you could write whatever you wanted and they would, you know, make sure it was the right length. And so my Uh editor said, do you know that you have 600 pages of material here? And I was kind of blown away. And I said, what? And she goes, yeah, that's really going to be too long for a devotion book. Yeah. She said, I suggest that you break it into, you know, maybe two or three books. So I looked over the material Mm -hmm. and I tried to group it in such a way. Well, as I've already described, actually, as how it turned out. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really know it at the time. So I, I broke it into these segments and I thought, isn't it really so wonderful how the Lord tripled Mm -hmm. Uh, an effort to write one book and make it into three. It was such a Mm -hmm. loaves and fishes scenario to me. I was really Mm -hmm. humbled and blessed by that. So it ended up being uh, instead this just, um, like you say, kind of a life journey of, of, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, ideas on how to cope and practical tips and, and really a lot of personal storytelling, which is kind of hard to do because you have to admit some of the hard things, but 
I feel like we do learn yeah. and grow. And then, you know, now I, it's so funny because somebody will say, oh, I read this, you know, and it really ministered to me. And then I'll go and read it again. I'm like, yeah, it ministered to me too. I need to take, you know, my <laughs> own uh, ideas and put them into action. <laughs> uh, that's great. I love that. <clears throat> Came you back did, around. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so obviously you focus on the theme of yes. doors in each of the divas and how that works. So what's the significance of doors as a part of these devotionals? Well, I think, I think the significance of doors has a lot to do with the idea that sometimes we're closed off to new things mm-hmm. and we don't always see, uh, what God is trying to lead us to do. And we have our own game plan and we have our own life and we're on our treadmill and we're, you know, we're focused Mm. on our own personal goals and not always even seeing what the Lord might have for us that would be different or, you know, of course, always better than our game plan. And I I just love that verse in Proverbs that so aptly describes it. The man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. And certainly for me, I know uh, if I don't always see what God might be trying to do, he might have to get the rope out and drag me through the door. Uh, that's great. <laughs> and then on my, in my trap door book, uh, I feel that, and I just love the cover image that my graphic designer chose for that book mm-hmm. because it has an illumination below the floor and it's like, okay, you are going to fall through, you know, Jesus was very clear in saying, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So no matter mm-hmm. what trap door we fall through, we can know that God will have our back and it, we may not see uh, that kind of rescue that we have in mind this side of eternity, but we know that eventually the Lord promises us in Revelation 21 that he's going to restore everything. And so we can trust him for that long view. And he's really the only one that has it. Yeah. And then I think for the vault door, you know, certainly the door there is a way of protecting what we have because the mm-hmm. enemy would love nothing more than to come and break in and steal. And we have to make sure that we secure uh, all of those treasures, you know, his Mm -hmm. word and hide it in our heart and really rely on those promises the way we would deposits in a bank or money under the bed or whatever kind of security uh, this world has. We know that we have a deeper security and a more lasting Mm -hmm. security. Yeah, that's really good. I like the image that you get with doors as well, because doors are such, you know, like it's a part of our life and, you know, everyone has a door. And so I think the image <laughs> of the door was helpful for me because I was like, okay, I can identify like the purpose of the door. And it sounds like throughout your other two devotionals as well, you can identify what the purpose is. Um, that's through, true. And I love the image. how, you know, of course, Jesus says, I am the door and that's mm-hmm. too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really fun. Okay, so obviously you've got three devotionals. They kind of cover all of it. I love the way it's formatted. So it's like one week and then you kind of dwell on that same idea all week long. But each day there's a new facet of it. Um, At least that's how the last one is. Mm -hmm, Correct. Uh, Yeah, I really loved that. Um, So could you kind of tell us, and this is a hard question, but (laughs) what's one of your favorite parts of your devotionals? Well, boy, that is a hard question. I know. (laughs) I guess because it's so deeply personal, it's almost like a tapestry of my life. So it's sort Mm. of like saying, what's the most favorite part of your life? And you're like, no, I'm not sure. I don't, I could even identify that, but I have to say what came to mind when you asked me that I did some devotions about Thanksgiving and thankfulness and gratitude. 
And those devotions really have struck a chord with a lot of people. And I find Mm -hmm. that they're often quoted by people. And I know that for me, uh, because I have been doing some, like during the pandemic, the Lord really Mm -hmm. put it on my heart to do a bunch of Facebook lives. I did it every day for six weeks because, wow, and that was, oh boy, that was something else. But not to get too much into that journey, except to say that during that time, I felt like it was so important to really have a posture of thanksgiving and and humility about the fact that even though we were in lockdown and and things were difficult, and of course, a lot of people lost loved ones, so I'm not at all minimizing that when I say that, you know, compared to like Nazi Germany and World War II and the way Jews had to hide, you know, we were just a tad inconvenience that we couldn't go to Chick-fil-A or something. So Mm -hmm. I just, I felt like it was really important to kind of drive those points home and so I would say that that was a particular uh, grouping of devotions that meant something. So we had an appointment where my autistic son was going to get evaluated by educational professionals. So we went to the appointment and that was a hard day for me to hear that he had autism, which they ended up telling me after a couple of hours of testing. And he was frustrated and could not really perform the tasks that they wanted him to, to do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that appointment was over, I walked out holding his hand. He was just about two years old and we were on this grassy knoll and it was kind of breezy. And all of a sudden I had this terrible thought planted in my head by the enemy. And basically that thought was, if you let go of his hand, you won't have to take care of him anymore. And mm-hmm my blood kind of ran cold and I mm-hmm. had a shudder throughout my body and it made me grip his hand all the more in the end. But for a moment there, I had kind of a flash forward of what my life would be like taking him to all these appointments and mm-hmm. the frustrations and the hopes and dreams that were dashed for me regarding him. Mm-hmm. And an even more complex element was the fact that since my kids were adopted, I think I had a kind of a pride and arrogance that I didn't care that they didn't come for me aren't I so noble and then Mm. I'm like but wait a minute Lord I didn't really bargain for these kind of problems yeah and you know I think uh, isn't that always the way you know the Lord is going to do what he's going to do and he'll do a mighty work through whatever happens in your life so I think in that experience you know and many others like it that are painful to tell people can identify with your struggles and when they can identify with your struggles, they want to hear how you can cope. And I think that was the main purpose of all the devotionals is to say life is hard, Mm. but God is good. And no matter what happens this side of eternity, he has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And we would do well to see how he wants us to respond Mm. to our circumstances, no matter what they look like. Yeah. That's so good. I think, I think with this year, specifically 2020, um, Uh uh, but just with everything, I think I've watched as people, they get discouraged. And I think you're 100% right. Sharing those stories of hard times in our own lives, like you did in your books, I think that can be so helpful for people, because it can kind of like, be like, okay, we're on this together. We're all following God together. Yeah. And I think, there is kind of, and I can't remember if I've already talked about this a little bit, but because I talked about it earlier today with someone else, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if I'm mixing up my convos, but <laughs> I think 
within the Christian community, a lot of times there's an over-Christianizing of our existences. In mm. other words, you know, the idea that, okay, it's very true. You know, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, Philippians yeah. 4.13. But when someone says, you know, four of my relatives died of COVID, that's not the proper response to their comment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's true. If they're Christians, they will get through it and the Lord will help them, you know, most likely. But, you know, there are people who have significant mental health challenges and they might not make it the same way that another person might. And yeah. to kind of minimize their pain by over-Christianizing a verse doesn't do anybody any favors. And so... Mm -hmm. I really try in my writing to identify with people's pain, show them that I have some of my own, and then definitely mention the truths and promises, of course, because we need to mm -hmm. focus on those and we need to hold on to those like a life preserver in a, in a stormy sea, because that's what we, that's how we're going to get through life. Mm -hmm. But I just, I, I get a little frustrated personally mm -hmm. when there's none of that authenticity being brought to the table in an overarching way. And even during the pandemic, I read some things. I was kind of like, okay. And and, and I would even find myself falling into that a little bit. Like, mm. well, you know, during the pandemic, I was so prolific and I got all this writing done. It wasn't the <laughs> pandemic great. It's like, well, no, the pandemic wasn't great. Mm -hmm. The Romans 828 outcome of the pandemic that the Lord used mm. to work good out of bad, that's what was awesome about the pandemic in terms of how people could grow their character mm -hmm. and, you know, use their time in a God glorifying way in, in a way that they perhaps couldn't before because of their time structures and constraints. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so I'm always curious, but could you tell us a little bit about your writing process for these devos? Cause like you said, you were a journalist first. And so then writing a book, it's so different. So tell us about that. Well, it's true. And just to say one little thing about my journalistic training that was super helpful mm -hmm. in writing a devotion and especially writing something where you don't have a boss breathing down your neck. Where is it? Cause that's tricky for a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, that they don't have a set deadline because it's just you and you know, your desktop and the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, nobody's saying where's that story. Uh, but one thing that I was really blessed with in my career and it didn't seem like it at the time. So again, another Romans 8:28 outcome, perhaps. Yeah. When I worked at the Los Angeles Daily News, we were very understaffed, and we had to churn out a lot of material, way more than most of the uh, journalists in positions that I had ever been in prior to that. Even in, in towns that were smaller, you'd almost think you know a bigger city would have more of a cush situation, mm -hmm. and that was true to a great degree at the LA Times, but. At any rate, I was able to learn how to churn out material rapidly, for okay. better or worse, okay? Mm -hmm. But when I got to this, uh, this particular endeavor, I was able to slow down in a way that was super luxurious for me. So mm -hmm. I'd wake up and I'd light a little candle and I'd be at my desk and I'd definitely pray and study in the morning like, you know, I would anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I tried to write from nine to two hmm. with and maybe take a break for lunch and maybe not and some days I might do that and some days I wouldn't but I would never want to work too late in the afternoon and I, I wanted to study before I started writing so I had a pretty set 
schedule of that yeah. happening four days a week. And then Fridays, I usually didn't uh, work on the book because I felt like I kind of wanted to just ruminate with thoughts and, mm -hmm. and kind of get some game plans ready for the next go round. And mm -hmm. I had some general outlines. I would like to add some balance to my comment because for one thing I can tell by your voice, you're much younger than me. <laughs> you know, I had the luxury of being able to do that because of my age mm. and the fact that I don't have as many responsibilities and the Lord also blessed me with an amazing husband who makes dinner every night. So I'm Aww. really unbelievably blessed. And I know that the Lord put all sorts of structures into my life to make that, uh, trilogy writing so possible for me mm -hmm. and his timing is perfect and what i what i really i'm kind of backing into my point but <laughs> i wanted to say that you know i've been reading recently that i think there was an article in the new york times and i can send you the link later but okay. it's all about uh how people can write in five and ten minute increments and write entire books and i did write a pretty terrible book when i worked at the <laughs> la times uh-huh and I was on the train. I wrote every day to and from on the train and wrote this, you know, novel, which was basically a diatribe of all my problems. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, we all have to have stuff that we're going to throw mm -hmm. away. And that was definitely that kind of a thing. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think there are ways to get the job done without blocking out giants, you know, blocks of time or renting a cabin in the mountains, which is great, you know, mm -hmm. if you can, but mm -hmm. not everyone can do that. So I don't want to discourage anybody that has a book writing dream and not big blocks of time. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you have to have a balance, you know, I mean, I've never like finished a book or published or anything, but in talking to authors, I think I found like there's a balance and everyone kind of has a different style. Like some people, they need like the dedicated time and other people find a lot of freedom in writing in the, in the nooks and crannies, right. Of their time. It's true. And there's people that want to work in the morning in the day. And then there's people that have a day job that have to come home and do it. And exactly. my hands really off to them because that's got to be really challenging to mm -hmm. do. Yeah. You mentioned also that you had like a little bit of structure beforehand so, like, did you have kind of an idea of what you wanted the layout to look at? And did that kind of help you as you were writing? Well, that was another gift from God. And that really is the truth. I have a friend. She's an author also. Mm -hmm. And uh, her name's Jenny Johansson Johnson. And she has written some books called Trading Up. And I don't know if you've ever seen those. She okay. She's not in bookstores or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Because she's a speaker as well. And they have kind mm -hmm. of a program that they do. Mm -hmm. in connection to the books but anyway in the books um she has a structure and she's a very structured person okay and she has the gift of prophecy in a way she can see things mm -hmm. the lord gives her little glimmers of things she doesn't you know really advertise that but she met me and, and i'd actually known her years before and we got reacquainted again after a long period of time mm -hmm. and she saw a structure for the books and mm -hmm. she shared it with me yeah. And I and it's exactly what you see, the seven day breakout, the themes. And then I thought of like the doorpost being the Bible verse and the keys to kingdom living, because those are all door related. Yeah. So, you know, the Lord gave that to me later. And then I found the, just the most amazing graphic designer who knew exactly, you know, what little key to put and you know, the little doorpost, what it would look like. And so it was beautifully thematic and mm -hmm. other people were really more responsible for that than me. Mm. 
Sounds like you had a really good team. <laughs> yes. No, they were amazing. And even in the ebook, you can see all those graphic details, which mm-hmm. from what I've talked, people I've spoken with who read ebooks, they say that's kind of rare. So even uh, the ebook and the devotionals is really pretty, thanks to my very talented graphic designer. That's that's great. Yeah, I read the ebook and it was beautiful. It was really well put together for sure. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so obviously you did a lot of research, a lot of prep, a lot of prayer. So while you were doing all of that, what was the most fascinating thing that you discovered? You know, I probably will cry in the telling. Oh. <laughs> because what I never even imagined that I would receive in the experience was what a beautiful time with the Lord that it ended up being. Mm. And it was so intimate and it was so personal and it was so fulfilling and rewarding. Mm-hmm. Such an amazing mountaintop experience. Every day I worked on it until I turned in the first draft. You know, mm-hmm. once you get into like the editing and, you know, that's maybe not as, <laughs> yeah, not quite the feel good mountaintop thing. I mean, yeah. it's important to do and I'm not discounting the fact that it's important, but it, the gratification of actually expressing what the Lord inspires inside of you based on his word and what he wants people to read and know mm-hmm. it was beyond anything I'd ever written after. So how old am I now? 60. So I probably finished these books when I was like 55. Okay. Well, I mean, I finished this. I mean, I wrote them and then I kind of revised them, you know, cause sure. I took that year off. So, yeah. so over three decades of writing and even more, if you count, you know, the 13 year old journaling, Yeah. I, I, it was unmatched and how wonderful that writing experience was. Mm. And I never expected it to have that dimension. And I don't know if it's because I hadn't really met very many people that did what I do that actually spoke about it. Mm. But once I realized it and I did mention to a couple of people who were working on books, they, it resonated with them and they said, Oh yes, definitely. Mm. So, you know, I love how, the Lord rewards all expression that way Hmm. when it's, you know, intended to glorify him and inspired by him because it's never going to return void. It's always going to have something to offer someone else. And even the work itself is an act of worship. And that's our highest calling as um, followers of God and, and believers in Jesus Christ. So I think it, brings your faith into a new dimension it brings your calling and your purpose to a new dimension Mm -hmm. and even your what's the word i'm even looking for even just you know being a christ follower it's just Mm. a different dimension the whole thing of it Mm. that's really actually kind of hard to put the words i suppose yeah that's really cool i hadn't thought about that the different dimension to it that's cool yeah um, so obviously, like you've been talking about, this book is really, it's a ministry. It's something that you created that's a ministry and that Jesus is using. So um, can you tell us a little bit about, like, you created the books, you put them together. So then what happened? Tell us about your publishing process and the ministry that's been fruitful, obviously. Well, after I'd written the books, I needed to find, I found somebody to, I found like a secular editor who did, you know, the she's the one that determined how many pages there were and, okay. and told me I should break it up. And, and she did some, you know, editing, some line editing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to find 
somebody to help me to design the cover. Mm-hmm. So I found someone through my church and she did all three covers and did a beautiful job. Mm-hmm. And then I needed to find somebody to do the, what's the word, the nuts and bolts, if you will, of, you know, uploading it to KDP and, yeah. you know, formatting it because that's a big part of any kind of self-publishing journey. Yeah. And, uh, she did all of that. And she also helped me to get the ISBN numbers and the, the little barcode for the yeah. book, Yeah, those kinds of things. And she, so that was a, another Romans 828 outcome of just building a team mm-hmm. is that she's an amazing Christian woman and really knowledgeable about the Bible. And I couldn't have had a better person on my team mm-hmm. to be reading through the book and to say, you know, I know this verse too, but what if you bring this aspect out? And so she really mm-hmm. helped me uh, with a lot of the biblical and theological framework too. Nice. Uh, and added uh, always a little bit ex- something extra with her expertise there. Mm. That's really great. Mm-hmm. That's really great. So when was the when was the first book published? Well, I should be able to tell you that year. It was three <laughs> years ago. I I published a book every year since I finished it. Okay, and, that's so fun. Well, it, it's kind of uh, misleading, I suppose, because people think, "How could she write, you know, <laughs> one book every year?" But I, I don't know what's more amazing. The fact that I wrote three books in one year in a way, or <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah. But, um, you know, that kind of a book is easier to write in some ways because it is so structured and you mm. get into kind of a groove because of the structure and, and it does help with regard to writing the next one. Yeah. But I do think that that's going to be it for the, you know, it'll just be the trilogy of doors there. Okay. And then sometimes I toy with the idea of doing maybe some, you know, smaller booklets hmm. or maybe a shorter six week series on like the locked door, hmm. you know, things we need to keep out hmm. that we don't need to let in. Yeah. That's cool. That's fun. Okay. So as people are reading your books, what is the one thing that you hope they will walk away with? And I know, I know that's a hard question. <laughs> so no, you actually, can make I it. Like that's, you got it. Okay. Yeah, right away, I know the answer to that. I want them to know that they can overcome if they lean into the Lord, no matter what they're facing, Hmm. he will help walk through them. He will help them walk through it. Hmm. And that's the thing I needed to hear whenever I was deep in the pit. And I think that's the thing everyone needs to know. Yeah. And. And I, again, with the aspect of the over-Christianizing, sometimes people say that and, and what they are communicating and maybe don't even mean to is that, you know, it'll be effortless and you'll, you'll mm-hmm. just have the wind beneath your wings and you'll mm-hmm. never have a moment of, of trial. And it's like, no, that's not what I want to say. I want to say that, you know, life is hard, but we really can trust the Lord for the future. And even in the moments of pain, we can still receive blessings and understand that there's a purpose in the pain, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. and that people are watching our walk. And if we are Christians and we do handle those things with grace, that God will be glorified. And mm-hmm. will it be easy? No, but it will be worth it. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge, I think, because we do want things to be easy. <laughs> 
<laughs> we uh -huh. want things to be easy and we don't want to have struggles or doubts. And that's definitely it's not true. what Jesus promised. <laughs> no, it, but I think it's a uniquely American hmm. um, set of mind or mindset, if you will, mm -hmm. in, in that we are so bent on comfort and, you know, especially now, so, you know, even when young men are getting married, their tuxes, they've got their initials in them, everything super custom, super mm -hmm. personalized. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, in third world countries, when I went to Rwanda, we're in church and we're singing all these praise songs and they're all about heaven and the future. Mm -hmm. and, and none of them are about how great life is now because they can see that it's not that great for them, hmm. but they don't even care. And they walk around without shoes and it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to me how I never realized how overly focused we are here on comfort and, hmm. you know, the quality of our lifestyles. And, you know, those concepts are so foreign to overseas Christians that are, you know, living in these third world countries and, and they still mm -hmm. have the joy of the Lord and yeah. more so because their expectations are different than ours. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Expectation is a big thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. So you did mention that maybe you are working on something. So what are you working on next? <laughs> well, okay, so I started this podcast, and it's it's been going great. His GPS okay. for your SOS. Mm -hmm. They're just short little seven-minute segments, and it's it's basically just kind of a little helium for your week. Mm -hmm. It's usually, you know, topic-driven mm -hmm. with Bible verses and life application and then that kind of stuff. So I, I really, in my mind, thought, I finished this trilogy. I'm done writing books. I'm just going <laughs> to podcast and do uh -huh. my Instagram and Facebook lives or whatever. Uh -huh. And then the Lord woke me up at 1.30 in the morning one day and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> ah, that's great. He started giving me this outline for a new book and I was just saying, la, 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 la. I don't <laughs> want to do that. I just, that. Writing is so much time and um, effort and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and so my new book, and I'm just really fleshing out the concepts now, I want to write a book about longing and how the human heart is never satisfied mm. in this existence we're in but it gets tricked tripped up with the heart and that it pursues the wrong kinds of things to try to be satisfied and, and that presents itself in a variety of ways mm. but the idea is that if we recognize and this is another over christianizing aspect sometimes mm -hmm. you know when people are not satisfied with their lives for whatever reason and I'm guilty of this, too, and I don't have time to tell the whole story, but just the idea that, you know, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not satisfied with my life. And so what's mm -hmm. wrong with me? Because I'm a Christian, I should be totally satisfied and I should, you know, my identity's in Christ and I, and, you know, I, I want for nothing because I, I have the joy of the Lord and mm -hmm. all these things, right, swimming around in your head. But at the end of the day, we're not built for this world. And right. in, in the lack of mindfulness in acknowledging that we make a big mistake by trying to gloss over mm -hmm. the fact that we do still have the longing. So I want to write a book about how to embrace the longing in the most accurate and effective ways mm. as ambassadors for Christ. Because I think if we can do that, we've really hit the jackpot. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> that sounds like a great book. 
yeah, I, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, you know, and, and, and I, I, but I can't, I don't think I can ignore it anymore. So it's, <laughs> it's hard as I try. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, getting woken up at 1am, you don't want to do that too often. <laughs> well, when you're my age, you start to wonder when God gives you all these projects, you're like, am I going to even have time to finish them? But again, mm -hmm. it's not up to me either. So I guess we just work until we can, right? <laughs> yep. Keep trusting, I guess. That's great. Mm -hmm. Okay, so where can we find you? And then I will link all of it in the description of the episode. Okay. Well, I do have a website, mm -hmm. um, you know, www.cindyyorks.com. Okay. And all of my podcasts are there. And my blogs are twice monthly, although I think I may be going to once a month in the summer so I can start the new book. Okay, great. Uh, and then I post every day on Instagram, almost without fail, unless mm -hmm. I'm not feeling well. So mm -hmm. five to seven days a week for sure. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also on Facebook and I do uh, Facebook lives twice a week. I do a Monday, Monday motivations kind of a thing nice. and a Thursday thoughts. So you can find me there as well. Okay. And I think that's everything. Um, I'm at almost all the major hosting sites for the podcast. Okay, great. Great. Okay. All right. Well, very important. Last question. What is your favorite book and why? Oh, my goodness. I struggle with that. <laughs> with any question you gave me, and I suppose the answer varies based on what I've been up to. But if I have to really search my heart about the book that's impacted my life the most, besides the Bible, which is the over-Christianized answer, right? right? We all love the Bible, so that yeah. goes without saying. Uh, I love Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And I don't mm. know if you've read that yet. I haven't, but, but I've been seeing a lot of people talking about it. So it's on my list. It's a great book about hope and how we need hope and how to find hope in God. The writer is uh, Jewish. Mm -hmm. So he approaches everything from the earliest origins of um, the Jewish people. And mm -hmm. so you can read it with that framework in mind. But just the idea of how he was able to find hope in the concentration camps and in, mm -hmm. in the midst of situations that were so desperate. It's really a moving book. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Well, I'm definitely going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll like it a lot. And then you'll have to call me and we'll chit chat about that book. <laughs> okay. That sounds great. That sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to Beth's Bookcast. If you are looking for more resources or reading inspiration, please join my Patreon, where you will get an email from me every week with more about this week's episode and some bonus episodes with even more books. Link is in the description. Readers, make sure you have hit follow or subscribe wherever you are listening so that you don't miss any episodes. I'll see you next week. Until then, happy reading!